Practically every practitioner in the world knows that we have to do it. And some do it. And some do it very well. Unfortunately, some don't do it at all. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of the Resilient Journey podcast, sponsored by ClearRisk. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and today we're talking to a man who runs exercises for a living. Rob Burton is my guest. Listen as Rob describes five steps to meaningful exercises, the importance of having the solid scenario, and why having meaningful exercises will demonstrate the value of your program to your organization. And by the way, what makes an exercise successful? We'll get into exercising best practices with Rob Burton after this from ClearRisk. Navigating changes in the risk landscape can be daunting without access to the right tools. ClearRisk's centralized risk management solution streamlines the process of data collection and analysis, helping customers make impactful decisions and focus on big picture initiatives. ClearRisk provides a highly configurable, easy to use solution that gives our customers the confidence to inform decision-making and proactively optimize risk in their organizations. Effective risk management begins with data you can trust. Learn more at clearrisk.com. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here. Hey, before we get too far into this, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, originally from the UK, I now reside in the US. I've been here for 20 years this month. I was originally in the military back uh, way back when. I spent 13 years in the British Army. Um, most of that time was in the infantry, a number of roles uh, from sniper to reconnaissance. I, uh, at the end of that uh, time, my last three and a half years were spent uh, with a small special forces group um, in, the, in the British Army. Uh, I then moved on and did some time overseas in Afghanistan, doing some private contract to work on the circuit, as it's uh, commonly known. Uh, and then I came out to the States, got offered a position here. Uh, working in uh, port security, yacht security. And, uh, and from there, I formed uh, PreparedX uh, LLC, uh, as well as the International Crisis Management Conference um, in, in more recent years. And I, uh, as you know, um, host a podcast, the PreparedX podcast, where we talk about all things uh, preparedness. Well, you mentioned a couple of things there, PreparedX and ICMC, and we'll talk about ICMC here in a minute. But uh, right now, let's let's focus on some of the work that you do uh, at PreparedX around exercising. And I just want to start with the basics. So whether it's a business continuity, cyber, tech response, or crisis management, what are some important things that people need to keep in mind when they're planning and executing a meaningful exercise? Yeah, well, you mentioned planning there, uh, Mark. I think it's really important that we, we have a plan. Um, to make sure it's meaningful uh, and make sure that the, the use of the time of those executives, those operational folks that might be involved in the exercise, whoever's participating, that it's not a waste of time. Um, so putting a plan together, an exercise plan is really important. We developed a process um, a number of years ago now that's been well accepted uh, specifically in the corporate space, a five-step process that um, uh, we've wrote about, we've um, you know documented via podcasts, we've done webinars on. And that really starts off with step one being the pre-exercise planning 
a big part of that is exercise objectives. Of course, we need dates, times, um, audiences, who's participating. Uh, and that's before we jump into step two, where we design the scenario. So we look at, based on the objectives, uh, what scenarios do we want to look at? So we map the scenarios out, make a decision on a direction, and then put the devil uh, in the detail, which is, you know, creating uh, uh, the scenario there and putting the exercise together. Uh, step three is really something close to my heart. It's final preparations before we get into the exercise. We've moved drastically over the last uh, two years based on the pandemic to uh, technology-delivered uh, tabletop exercises. Uh, and so that's really important that we, you know, make sure we're good to go on that front. So understand your technology and how you're delivering it. And then obviously, of course, uh, step four is the delivery of the exercise itself um, and the evaluation of the exercise. And then finally, step five, all the things that happen afterwards. So the post-exercise activities, um, as it's uh, known. So, yeah, so spend some time on the details because they really matter. Um, you know, those cut and paste scenarios that we see off the Internet really will not excite your audience uh, and will make it more difficult. So, uh, you know, in terms of being meaningful, you know, spend the time to put uh, some details within your scenario that are relevant to your audience's environment. You mentioned a few things there that I want to follow up on. Um, the first thing is talking about the objectives of the exercise. Uh, I've seen too many cases where an organization will run an exercise and then when they're done, they just sort of give sort of an emotional response to it. Well, that seemed okay. Like I thought that went pretty well rather than having objectives um, with specific um, success measurement. Talk a little bit about how important that is. Yeah, it really is critical because, you know, it's really about having some direction and those objectives really help us get from A to B or C or wherever you want to head. So it's really important um, that, you know, it really adds, you know, a framework for you as you start to design your scenario. So, so it's critical. I think the storyline is imperative, Mark. Uh, we talk about it all the time. It's about really engaging your audience. So they have to be believable in terms of your storyline, obviously achievable in terms of your objectives. And you want to have some enjoyment in there as well again it's about you know uh, obviously having a good time as well of, of course you know the scenario uh, you know being important so don't be afraid to add in you know some some elements of um, you know um, fun uh, if you can and where you can so I say take the time to gather the right information. Uh, we, we, we like to uh, utilize trusted agents. So if you're building your own exercise within your own organization, um, you know, look to those individuals who might be able to support those details that you may not know. If you're in a big, you know, corporate uh, multinational organization, you don't know everything. You know, we certainly don't know everything when we come in and we work internally uh, to get those details accurate. Um, and so, yeah, I'll give you just, just one example, really, um, you know, in terms of that. So let's say it's a cyber uh, incident and an exercise for a leadership team, uh, senior leadership team. Um, so we, we need to create a timeline. So what happens and when? And that's really where we want to start out in terms of the scenario. Um, so replicate this uh, to real life. Um, you know, think about, you know, previous events that have happened within your organization or outside. So do some research there. And of course, base that, you know, on those uh, experiences. Um, so the first inject might be an email or a notification that comes into the CISO's office. So what happens then? The CISO has to brief uh, the team. How does that happen? Do they activate the team? How does that happen? Is there an activation process? Is that part of your objectives to bring that senior leadership team together? So again, that's just an example of uh, injects that are those pieces of information that make up your storyline. 
Yeah, I want to I want to get to injects in a minute, but you you touched on something else here, and and I know I sent over a bunch of questions ahead of time, but your comments are interesting and they're kind of driving some other sure. spinoff questions here. One of the things that you have to think about when you're planning an exercise is what's the scope? What are you going to include in the exercise? So you just mentioned an email that comes into the CISO and then certain things happen. And then at some point, maybe the crisis management team gets triggered. You have to make decisions uh, in your planning as to what you're going to do. So are you really going to send the email to the CISO? Do you expect the technology team to work? Or do you just pick it up at the triggering of the crisis management? Talk a little bit about the the planning there and who you should have involved in the planning. And how long does that planning take for a good exercise? Yeah. So again, the devil is always in those details, right? And, um, you know, you know, are you going to have a two hour exercise? Do do you have the team for four hours? Um, You know, we're certainly seeing a lot of squeeze as it relates to leadership teams. And, you know, often we'll get asked, can you do something in 30 minutes or an hour? And it's just like, well, we can do introductions and, uh, you know, (laughs) maybe maybe we can talk about one inject, Um, you know, but uh, all joking aside, um, we we like to put an exercise control team together for, for a larger exercise. And that might be, just two or three uh, individuals who are responsible for exercise design. So that's a really important, uh, you know, individual. And you may have a couple of people involved in that if you're trying to find out some of those details. Um, so that's an important uh, individual. And that's some, someone who typically is experienced with uh, creating a storyline and, and basically mapping it out from, from where you want to start off in terms of your unfolding situation all the way through to, you know, you might be talking about recovery at the very end, again, depending on your objectives. Uh, you need a good facilitator, Mark, as well. As you know, uh, someone who's competent, who's comfortable in front of different uh, audiences. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, if you've got a senior leadership group, um, you know, someone who's uh, familiar with that group, who's been in front of them before, if possible, uh, and someone who's, you know, can stand up and communicate well uh, with them. The other key one, uh, really, for a, for a tabletop, a simple tabletop exercise, effective one, is the evaluator. So you want someone listening in for those details, Mark. Um, you know, that individual uh, may be in breakout groups, maybe going from one breakout room to another, uh, depending, again, on the scale of the exercise. And that individual really responsible for documenting any findings uh, during the exercise. So as the uh, players in the exercise, which is another group, obviously, that's uh, integral to the exercise, that those, those individuals who are responsible uh, for responding, um, you know, the, the evaluator will listen into the conversations and really the scenario drives conversation. It drives discussion around responsibilities. It drives discussions around who does what, when and where. And of course, from that discussion, you know, we open up um, opportunities to, to find gaps and those gaps are documented uh, by, by the evaluator. As it relates to larger exercises, I think uh, as you start to advance your programs, what we see, Mark, um, is a number of observers wanting to be involved in the exercise. So you have your players, which typically are those participants, and that might be a crisis team, or it might be multiple teams throughout the organization. Um, Of course, that's one important group that uh, has to be part of your exercise. But observers are a really interesting group. Um, uh, You may have regulators, first responders. There could be other internal and external stakeholders that might be 
involved as well, depending on your exercise objectives. Um, and and uh, and that's you know again really important um, you know set of um, you know set of individuals that uh, you know could could be um, you know problematic <laughs> if you if you don't manage them quite well. But um, you know of course they need to be um, in there as well. And then the last thing, the last group really as well, when you get more advanced, are role players in in larger exercises. And I think uh, you may have someone that wants to play the media uh, again, depending on your on your scenario. You may have a regulator who's been represented uh, within a simulation cell, so a small room that's set up either virtual or on a site uh, where you have those role players making phone calls uh, in and out of the uh, exercise room. Um, and you know, again, emails could be any way you're communicating uh, in real life. They would replicate that. So role players become uh, quite important, and uh, again, you know, adding more pressure as it relates to uh, upping your scenarios, if you will. Do you believe in um, surprise exercises, or do you like to have the players, to use your term, uh, know ahead of time that the exercise is coming? Yeah, for more advanced teams, Mark, I, I would certainly, um, you know, advocate that. Uh, I, I think if it's a new team or a team that's gone through a lot of changes, you know, a big update in the plan, or if you've got new team members, new leaders on the team, uh, then, um, you, you know, you may want to take, uh, you know, you know, crawl, if you will, before you can actually stand up um, and, and then get into your no notice. Um, no notice are very interesting in terms of planning. You need to get them right um, because uh, in terms of communication, they can go wrong very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, that they still they need a lot more planning than your, than your typical uh, tabletop exercise, because, of course, from a communication standpoint, if you start talking about an event that's unfolding uh, within your organization and there's somebody that doesn't understand or is, is not aware of that being an exercise so your terminology has to be accurate and on point um, then it can very quickly uh, go south and I'll give one um, example I believe it um, was at Walter Reed um, down um, in the DC area uh, the military um, hospital where um, there was uh, reports um, of an active shooter on, on the site and there was a, a senator visiting and of course, started to tweet that we're on lockdown, uh, and there's a, an active shooter on the on the on the on the um, campus. Well, there wasn't, uh, and what happened was it was an exercise that had gone wrong, and this mm -hmm. is not not uncommon. And so again, it's about communications. If you if you're doing those advanced exercises, I do like no notice exercises, but again, you know, much more planning required. Yeah, I like that, uh, and I think we've probably all experienced uh, one here or there where. It either threatened to go sideways in a hurry or did go sideways in a hurry because um, lack of communications in the preparation of that. Sure. We, we've referred to successful exercises a couple of times here. Now, a successful exercise doesn't always mean that the team recovered the system properly or everything worked according to plan. It could also be the other you know, result. What makes an exercise successful? Well, I think when the audience starts to clap at the end, so... <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, you know, again, you know, I, I kind of you know joke slightly there, but it it happens, and it certainly happened to us uh, a number of times, and that really, you know, that really means it's been impactful for them, right, as as a group, yeah. um, and so, and that's re really the, the greatest feedback you know you can get uh, in terms of you know a successful exercise. But I would say the number one um, criteria that we look for is uh, engagement. 
And so during the session, um, if they're engaged, if they're, if they're not on their phones, right, checking in, or if they're not leaving the room, um, you know, while someone's talking. Um, so, yes, I think that's the, the biggest part, <clears throat> engaging all those uh, stakeholders that uh, are involved in the exercise. And, of course, that takes, you know, part of your scenario uh, needs to ensure that everybody's um, involved. Um, so, again, going back to your objectives, it's, it's important that they're based on those objectives, what is the audience that's going to, who is the audience that's going to be uh, in the room? And uh, we have a set, uh, we have a saying here at PreparedX, all alligators need feeding. And you've probably heard me say that before at yeah. some point on, on the journey here, meaning that, you know, if you invite those groups into the room, you need to make sure that uh, they have something to do in the scenario. And of course, if they don't have anything to do in the scenario, um, th they'll provide their feedback and, and they'll let you know, they'll let you know that it wasn't um, a good use of their time um so the one way you can get around that mark as well is in terms of that piece is um if you still think um you want to invite an audience but don't have anything um for them you know specifically to do maybe they have a, a few comments you know throughout the scenario um you can identify them as an observer group and yeah. invite them and they can choose whether to come or not but make it very clear that what their role is is an is an observer role for the exercise so that's certainly one way uh, that you can get around that but uh, yeah definitely engagement um is the key criteria that we look for um for a successful exercise. I'm going to jump on something you said there because exercises are uh, a number of things for your program, whether it's a continuity program or resilience program or crisis management program. Um, first of all, they're training exercises too. They're awareness exercises. They help build buy-in to the stakeholders uh, and they help demonstrate the value of your program. And if you run a poor exercise that doesn't have engagement and people feel like it's a waste of their time, they're going to take that uh, opinion and it's going to transfer to the overall program. The program doesn't add value. You can really build value and goodwill of your program by running a meaningful uh, exercise for sure. Yeah, no, that's a great comment, Mark. And, and we see that as well. I think if you get the first one right, and if, again, if it's a, a new initiative or something that's not happened for a number of years within your organization, it's certainly, um, you know, getting the first one right. And that word spreads from a good exercise standpoint as well. This was really good. This was really useful. You know, we got a lot out of it as a team. Uh, and so that spreads throughout the organization. And it's almost like, well, I want to be on the next exercise. Right. So so that's why you need to spend the time and, and do it right. Done right. Exercises are fun. I mean, it's an yeah. enjoyable time for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to um, sort of the process of running the exercise. You use the term injects um, and it's the storyline. It's the story you're telling as part of the scenario that you've introduced. What are some of the more advanced things that we can do? Uh, to add injects as we go through, like you don't tell the whole story right out of the gate, right? You'll wait right. and then maybe at certain points throughout the exercise, add a new detail or a twist or, you know, a plot twist or whatever. So talk about how uh, that works and what are some good techniques there? 
Yeah, so I think even from a, a simple um, tabletop exercise standpoint, virtual exercise, uh, you, you want to build in a timeline. So, and, and based on that timeline, we want to release information um, as we would, and you can do it realistically based on you know how, how much time you have. So, if it's a fast-paced event such as an active shooter, um, you know some other kind of physical threat, you can have a real timeline going along. Or if it's cyber-related, we may want to simulate that uh, this is happening over several months, for instance. So mm -hmm. think about your timeline as well uh, to make sure that it's realistic. What we like to use in, um, you know, again, you can use this in tabletops or certainly functional, which is more advanced exercises where you're utilizing, you know, real communications, your, your in-house tools and, and practices, any critical uh, event management systems you might be using. Um, we also like to use a sim cell. I touched on it earlier on. So this is a simulation cell. It's an environment where we get together, you know, two or three individuals who are going to play to certain roles throughout the exercise based on the storyline. Uh, and again, those individuals may be making phone calls, sending emails text messages, again, a number of ways that they can communicate uh, different uh, pieces of uh, the, those injects that you mentioned um, throughout the exercise. And those are released, you know, again, based on a plan that you put together. We like to put together a, a master sequence of events list. Uh, and so that's a document uh, that, uh, you know, lays out all your injects, you know, from the very beginning to, to the end. And uh, within that uh, measle, as it's uh, commonly, the term is commonly uh, used, um, you have a plan. And what the expectation are from that inject. So based on this piece of information, uh, what are we expecting the team to do in terms of their response? And, and how would we react to that um, if they go off in a different direction? So you've got to think about the courses of action as they're known. Um, so yes, it takes some uh, takes some planning um, and management um, is big on, on the day of the exercise. So uh, so yeah, I think that um, you know, more advanced exercises could utilize some more realistic um, processes like a sim cell, uh, which is a great um, and again, a fun, fun environment to be in, right? So if you're if you're in the sim cell and you're you know you're on that team for the day, um, you're you're not the response team. There's less pressure on you, and, and again, you can have have some fun. But again, it takes a little while to set it up, understand what your role is in the sim cell, and obviously you know rehearsal, you know going through the scenario um, to make sure you understand you know what calls you're making, when you're making them, uh, and so on and so forth. I did an exercise one time for a client, um, and we were. Uh, we were simulating a, a cyber event that shut down their services. And I put some very real looking fake tweets together. Uh, and I posted them on the screen saying, hey, this is what we're starting to see on social media about the company. And the CEO got quite irritated. Um, and I, I hesitated because at first I couldn't tell if he was irritated at me for saying the things I was saying about the company or if he was just so into it that that kind of feedback was was irritating. Um, and so it, it caused a little bit of pause for me. I was, I was having sort of that uh, sort of uh-oh moment um, and we pushed through it. And, and uh, no, he was so engaged in it that it was the, the thought of that type of comment being sure. very plausible that was causing him that grief. So it, uh, that was interesting.
yeah we uh, we did something similar um we, you know we have a number of um you know again in, number of options in terms of making it as realistic as possible so you know from your breaking news videos to your tweets like you mentioned yeah. um overlaying fires on top of actually photographs of your site um and, and making it look as realistic that you know that's something that uh, our creative team uh, and jenny does a really good job of and uh, uh, re uh one we did a number of years ago which is you know similar kind of reaction from the chief security officer um i, I went into um a, a store here uh, bj's um, down the road where there's their product and this scenario was all about the product being contaminated um and i went through with my iphone and videoed a small scene of me tampering um with one of their products uh, i won't go into the product and and, and the scenario <laughs> but um no it's probably a good idea so but what we did afterwards we put that short video uh, into what looked like uh, a youtube video screw so it was sat in the screen shot of a youtube <clears throat> with you know tens of thousands or whatever it was that we thought tens of thousands at the time was a lot right this yeah, is yeah. you know four or five years ago of course tens of millions is is, is probably not the norm now um so yeah we and again we brought that up on the screen of course it wasn't live on the internet it was um you know a presentation that we were given but it uh, you know we played that video and it certainly looked uh realistic because we sat it inside a frame of uh youtube um right. and it brought that to life and again it's so same reaction so that's what reminded me of that story with with that reaction of the chief security officer and when we had the next break he came up to me and you know big ex fbi guy like massive big big chicago guy and starts prodding me and uh you know i you know we're still friends today but <laughs> and uh, he goes is you know tell me tell me i'm like no no this is how we do it he goes that's good <laughs> <laughs> that's good but it it um it adds uh, engagement and it uh, adds realism. And, and those are two things that you want. Let's uh, look at it on the other side of the coin. What are some common mistakes that you see organizations make when it comes to exercising? Yeah, when you set this question over, it was, you know, straight away, I, you know, I, I could, you know, you know, the number one is those clear and achievable objectives. Often we don't see any objectives. If we look at back at uh, you know some organizations when they've run their own exercises, they've just thought, oh, we need to do a cyber exercise, so let's just put a cyber exercise together, and, and no real you know meaningful um, process in terms of thinking what we want to accomplish. So I'd say that would be the first one. Um, I'd say inviting too many people to the or the wrong audiences, you know, mm -hmm. based on your objectives. So that's another one that, um, you know, we've come into contact with where we, we've tried to kind of advise, um, you know, a, a smaller audience, you know, based on the objectives. And then all of a sudden, you know, half the organization is there. I mean, I'm exaggerating there, but, you know, there's, there's a larger group there and often um, that, that causes challenges. So you end up with more observers on the outside of the room than players. And, and quite often the players then will be more, you know, you know, re more reluctant or, you know, less, you know, uh, likely to be open about their responses to the scenario. So, so that that's always a challenge as well. Uh, and the last couple of things I think Mark as well, which are critical really. Uh, and one is a detailed after action report uh, after the exercise, right? So um, yeah. quite often we'll ask that question when we, when we start an engagement with a new customer and we'll say, you know, can you show us your previous uh, reports from exercises? And quite often um, the, there are no reports uh, and sometimes you'll have a report, but uh, not too much detail to go from. So again, having a, a process for your, your after action reports um, is, is really important. And of course, the final one really that, that I, you know, came to mind here is having that compre comprehensive 
comprehensive remediation plan. So, you know, ultimately, why did we do this in the first place, right? Right. So we need to improve uh, and having a plan uh, going forward after the uh, report has been finalized. So this is all post-exercise step five that I mentioned earlier on, um, you know, making sure that you've got a remediation plan in place, who's doing what, um, you know, you know, by when, again, it's a, it's a, you know, the project doesn't end right at the end uh, of the exercise. So that's just, you know, that's really just start of the work really and identifies the challenges. Um, so, so again, having that process, because we've been back before as well, Mark, to, you know, some of our customers over the years, and uh, we found some of the same issues. And even though we've documented what the issues were in previous exercises from the year before, you know, we still identify them a year later, which tells me, uh, you know, they, they didn't have a good uh, compre comprehensive remediation planning process. And we've actually started offering that now as a service. So, you know, we'll, we'll hang around and help you through that process if that's something um, that, that, um, that you would like and some, some customers like that. Uh, all right, I'll get you out of here on this. We've talked earlier about uh, ICMC, and uh, I know you have the conference coming up in June uh, in beautiful Rhode Island. Um, what's that all about, and how can people learn more about the conference? Yeah, so we, this is our seventh year, Mark, as you know, and I know you've spoken a couple of times in the past, so we're, we're, we're glad to have you back again uh, this year. Um, we, we really started off with the conference being about uh, information for those individuals looking to get into crisis management, as well as crisis management professionals who, uh, you know, are really to expand, you know, their, their you know, you know, professional skills and knowledge with, with regards to, you know, crisis management. We saw a gap in the market. There's a lot of business continuity uh, conferences that we all know about. There's a lot of other conferences as it relates to disaster recovery. Uh, and of course, crisis management is an important component of that. Incident management, if you want to call it that from a, from a cyber perspective. So that's how we really started off. Uh, again, back in ooh, 2016 uh, was our first conference in Boston. Um, so, yeah, we, in recent years, we brought it to Newport, Rhode Island. And uh, this year is uh, June 7th and 8th of 2022 in the beautiful uh, town of Newport, Rhode Island, as you mentioned. And uh, we have nine speakers on June 7th. And you're one of them, Mark. I know right. uh, you're going to be speaking in the afternoon. And so we have speakers uh, from Amazon, speakers from Dell Technologies, of course, some big companies, but as well as experts uh, from the field who are you know doing the business of uh, resiliency like yourself mark and uh, on june 8th we've got an opportunity to do some training i know you're delivering um effective uh, crisis response training um that course um which i think we had a couple sign up yesterday actually mark uh, which is uh, good news for that course and i'll be delivering the other course the principles of uh, crisis management which is our our 101 crisis uh, management course which has been delivered i'd probably say over 10 times now so so yeah so uh a good few days. We have a cocktail hour, a meet and greet on June 6th. So if you can get there in the evening of June 6th, um, we'll be uh, gathering outside. Hopefully it'll be a nice evening overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, you can find out more information at crisisconferences.com. We'll put a link to that in the, um, in the show notes. Uh, and just a, a, a quick commercial for uh, my training session. So the principles of effective cyber response what we do is we focus there on the crisis management side of a cyber attack and how do we respond yep. with things like effective communication, integration of insurance policies, and making good decisions. Um, none of this is expensive and the value is amazing, if I do say so myself. And so uh, I would encourage people to uh, check out uh, the link in the show notes for the conference. 
Rob, roles have been reversed here. I know I was a guest uh, a long time ago. Seems like a hundred years ago now on your podcast. <laughs> thanks for doing this. I appreciate having you here. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mark. Take care. I'd like to thank Rob Burton for being my guest today on the podcast. It's good to leverage Rob's extensive experience when it comes to exercising. I'm sure he's gone back to his lair to feed his alligators. Special thanks as always to my friends at Clear Risk for their continued sponsorship of the podcast. Next week, we shift gears a little as we begin a series on personal resilience. Next week, we'll hear one person's story of overcoming trauma to change people's lives. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey. <laughs>